KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. Good morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Wednesday, March 31st. Helping San Diego's youth who've been involved with gangs, we'll have more on that next. But first, let's do the headlines. More unaccompanied teenage girls have arrived at the San Diego Convention Center, bringing the total of migrant children there to 723. That's according to the City News Service. 70 have tested positive for the coronavirus. Local authorities are seeking volunteer teachers to provide educational services for the girls, a move that's been criticized by Republican Congressman Darrell Issa. In a statement, Issa noted that the decision to provide in-person instruction to the girls was, quote, outrageous, while San Diego schools remain closed. Golden Hall in downtown San Diego is once again sheltering San Diegans experiencing homelessness. Many of the people at the facilities were previously housed at the convention center. Mayor Todd Gloria said the city is continuing to take a holistic approach to ending homelessness. That means leading with compassion, and engaging on prevention, using good data to make our decisions, and making sure that we implement the plans that we have with everything pointing towards connecting people to housing. The Golden Hall operation is being run by Father Joe's Villages. Many San Diego city and county offices will be closed today for Cesar Chavez Day. County libraries and animal shelters will be closed to the public, though emergency animal services will be available. County parks will remain open and city trash and recycling will continue as normal. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by Arizona Raft Adventures, a third-generation family-owned outfitter providing experiential multi-day Colorado River rafting adventures through the Grand Canyon, hiking, exploration, education, and fun. Only a seven-hour drive from San Diego. Learn more at azraft.com. Gang involvement often leads to jail time, substance abuse, and even death. We're going to hear from an organization that's helping at-risk youth in North County overcome their past gang involvement. KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne has this story about a group called Resilience. Sandra Mora grew up surrounded by gangs, drugs, and an unstable home. I didn't have nobody there, so I ended up turning to gangs. And everything that I was looking for at home... I found it in the streets. I'm a recovering addict. I started using drugs when I was 13. Um, I had some traumatic experience when I was growing up at the age of eight, and um, it just skyrocketed from there. At 21, Mora went to prison. She says prison and letting her family down were the turning points to her turbulent life. I just, you know, it was time, time to change my life around. Mora, now 45 years old, chose to give back to the community she grew up in. She is studying drug and alcohol counseling at Palomar College and expects to graduate in the next two years. Mora is also a mentor for Resilience, a nonprofit organization helping at-risk North County youth on probation or leaving juvenile detention. I love it. I'm able to give back to the community, you know, and I can relate to all the kids that I've came across. You know, from them not having the support at home or their parents are doing drugs. 19-year-old Aki Del Rio is one of Mora's mentees. 
with my my whole family is gang related from different gangs in, in that whole, in Oceanside. So uh, I just kind of grew up around that type of stuff. Like my dad, he was a gang member. Uh, he died when I was in first grade. He was killed by Oceanside Police Department. Um, I grew up in foster homes and stuff. You know, my mom was a drug addict. You know, uh, I bounced from house to house. When Del Rio was in juvenile hall, Resilience reached out to him to connect him with a mentor. Del Rio had been through similar programs before. Like most people I've seen, they always have an agenda, you know what I mean? Either it's just to get finished with you so they can move on to the next person, you know, just to make their money, blah, blah, blah. But he saw a difference in Resilience. But with these people right here, like, it's real genuine and stuff, you know, and everything they do is out of the bottom of their heart and stuff, you know what I mean? All of the mentors in Resilience have a past gang affiliation or have been to prison helping them bond with their mentees. I don't want to see this kid go back to jail. He's so smart. You know, they have so much potential. And you see it. And that's part of a be about being a mentor, that you got to remind them, you know, that they're worthy of living a different lifestyle. Robert Coble is a resilience mentor. He says part of his job is showing the students there is more to life than the four corners of the city they grew up in. Um, took them to be able to do things that they've never done. Um, fishing trips, a kid who's never been on a boat. Um, those type of experiences we, we deal with every day. Resilience guides their youth in a variety of ways, from field trips and exercising together to regular meetings, helping with college enrollment and attending court hearings. And they provide mentees someone they can trust. For me, my job is to try to uh, make the ones who are going in and out of jail and are comfortable with that, be uncomfortable when they go back because they experience a lot more than life has to offer. Mentors say their job never ends, and it can go as far as taking phone calls in the middle of the night to save a mentee from making a bad choice. I've stayed on the phone with one of my girls for like almost two hours, you know, just talking, laughing, just trying to get her out of that state of mind, you know what I mean, where she wants to take off, take the bracelet off that she has because she's on probation or you know, she wants to go get high or drink or, you know, something that's going to eventually get her caught up and go back. Del Rio has graduated from the program with no plans to go back to his old life. He hopes to join the Army at the end of the year. The program managers did a lot for me, like, got me on probation, got me to colleges, you know, they just so many opportunities they've blessed me with, you know, just it's got me to the point where I'm at now, you know. And while he explores his opportunities, he also returns to resilience to mentor other youth that are going through what he did and showing them how resilient they can be. And that was KPBS North County reporter Tanya Thorne. The VA is expanding the number of veterans who are eligible for the COVID-19 vaccine. KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh says that the local VA has an ambitious goal of getting shots to any vet who wants one. For veterans, the fastest route to getting vaccinated may go through the local VA, according to Dr. Robert Smith, the head of the San Diego VA. The VA has seen its supply of vaccines steadily increase. A new law also allows the VA to vaccinate all veterans, spouses, and their caregivers. We'll be able to get 100% of the veterans who want to be vaccinated um, within the next 90 days. Uh, that's my target. About 50,000 shots have been given out by the San Diego VA since the vaccine became available. Last week, the VA went six days without a COVID patient. Right now, there are two veterans in the hospital with the disease. And that was KPBS military reporter Steve Walsh. The VA's vaccine scheduling hotline is 
642-3810. Feeding San Diego is going on tour. It's taking a large-scale food distribution around the county. And the first stop, Chula Vista. KPBS's Melissa May reports. Feeding San Diego has already helped more than 20,000 San Diegans. Tuesday, volunteers were ready to help approximately 1,400 South Bay households with nutritious food during their contactless drive through food distribution at the North Island Credit Union Amphitheater. Sam Duke is the volunteer programs manager for Feeding San Diego. Oh, it's very important. A lot of people are facing hunger for the first time due to the pandemic. So Feeding San Diego being here to help provide um, anything we can do to help support the community. Um, that's what we're here for. The tour's next distribution will be on Wednesday, April 7th at Pachanga Arena from 10 a.m. to noon. And that was KPBS's Melissa May. Coming up, some landlords in San Diego refused money from rental assistance programs. We'll have more on that next, just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Last year, the city and county of San Diego set aside $40 million in rental assistance to help low-income families impacted by the pandemic. But some renters weren't helped because their landlords didn't take the money. Now, a second infusion of rent relief money from the state and federal sources has poured into the region. And this time, it comes with built-in incentives designed to persuade landlords to take the money. Investigative reporter Cody Dulaney has been covering the story for iNewsource, and he spoke with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman. Here's that interview. So what prompted this change in law? The nonprofits are the ones that were raising the alarms and they were the ones that were saying, hey, there's a problem here. Either landlords don't understand, they're not participating. And I think that's really what was the change in in this program. And that's kind of what inspired the change in the state law. Uh, So why did so many landlords refuse rental relief? You know, that's that's a great question. And we don't really know because landlords weren't required to explain Um, But what I can say is the vast majority of landlords involved in the county's program either missed deadlines to register for the program or they didn't provide the necessary documents to collect the money in time. 
And, you know, advocates for rental property owners say most of these folks likely didn't have the time to pull everything together because for many of them, providing housing isn't their full-time job. So how does this new program then address that? Yes, a state law passed in January that created new rules for how these programs should operate. This time, landlords are offered 80% of what's owed to them in back rent, and they have to agree to forgive the remaining 20%. If they refuse those terms, the tenant will get a direct payment of 25% of what they owe in rent. And as long as the tenant gives their landlord that money, they'll be protected from eviction. And and the state's largest landlord group, the the California Apartment Association, they're they're urging landlords to accept the 80%, saying that's likely the most they'll ever be able to collect. I mean, tell me a bit more about what landlords are experiencing right now. So some of the landlords that I've talked to, some of them haven't collected any rent since last March, since the the beginning of the pandemic, you know, and throughout that time, they're, they're still expected to pay mortgage. They're still expected to, you know, if they pay utilities, they have to keep the lights on and keep everything running. So for, for landlords, they're experiencing a burden just like tenants. What, what types of situations are they dealing with right now? Yeah, uh, people are struggling. Um, a Sandag report released this month said one in four people who are working in jobs that don't require a college education are still out of work. We recently spoke with a tenant in Imperial Beach named Patty Mendoza. She's a single mom with two children who was laid off from her non-emergency medical transport job last April. Her previous landlord actually participated in the county's first rent relief program last fall, and she was able to receive $3,000 to cover back rent in December. Um, But she's still out of work and hasn't been able to make any rent payments, and her apartment building has since changed ownership. So she's she's applied to the new the county's new program, but her new landlord has already told her to leave by April 10th. So, you know, that's definitely causing some stress for her and her family. Yeah, I mean, you know, for for people who are struggling, they're on the verge of eviction, like the, the one you just mentioned. Will this resource come in time? Yeah, well, the, the, the new law extends the eviction moratorium to July. And if Mendoza's landlord does, in fact, decide not to participate, she'll end up receiving a direct payment of 25%. And as long as she pays her landlord with that money, she'll be protected from eviction until July. Um, and her landlord, under this new law, would be required to accept that money. How much money is available for this relief program? Because the money was based on population, uh, the San Diego region received more than $211 million from the state and federal governments. Specifically, the county, as well as the cities of San Diego and Chula Vista, all received money for their own rental relief programs. So walk us through the process then to get this rental assistance. Yeah, a number of factors determine uh, a tenant's eligibility, but the big one is whether, you're, whether or not you fall within a certain threshold for income. So if you have a family of four, that would be $92,400 a year. And if you live in the cities of San Diego or Chula Vista, you can go directly on their websites, the city websites, and, and navigate there and find, find the programs through there. If you're a tenant that lives any other part in the county, just go ahead and uh, apply through the county's website. 
That was Cody Dulaney, investigative reporter for iNews Source, speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman. iNews Source is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. Have you gone to a movie in the past year? Or maybe what would draw you back to the theaters? Well, Godzilla vs. Kong is a big movie about gigantic monsters. And according to KPBS film critic Beth Accomando, it's proving to be exactly the type of film to draw people back into the recently reopened cinemas. Okay, let me just begin by saying that the very premise of this film is problematic for me because Godzilla and Kong are my two all-time favorite cinema creatures. There's no way I could pick between them. It'd be like asking a parent to choose which child gets to pummel a sibling into submission. I mean, why couldn't this be Godzilla and Kong versus the world? I know, because Hollywood thinks the two screen giants will sell more tickets fighting each other than working together. We need Kong. The world needs him. Right, but this is Godzilla's franchise. And although Godzilla gets top billing, Kong, who's an American creation and looks more human, gets more screen time and is made more empathetic. To the film's credit, it does resolve, at least sort of, the taking sides issue. It thankfully reduces the presence of annoying human characters, and it serves up some genuinely impressive scale for the monsters. Personally, I don't find computer effects as compelling as the old Godzilla suit acting or Kong's stop-motion animation, but the film definitely makes you look up in awe at these magnificent creatures. Hollywood may still not quite get what makes a Godzilla movie work, at least not in the same way that Japan's Toho Studios has been demonstrating for decades, but as a film to draw us out of our pandemic home theaters, Godzilla vs. Kong certainly has epic appeal. Beth Akamando, KPBS News. And that's it for the podcast today. Be sure to catch KPBS Midday Edition at noon on KPBS Radio or check out the Midday Edition podcast. You can also watch KPBS Evening Edition at 5 o'clock on KPBS Television. And as always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert for KPBS News in San Diego. KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org.